good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever the case may be. Welcome back to another episode of the 30 Minute Break. I'm your host, Mr. 625. And today we have special guest Jerry Fletcher from 6620 Logistics out of Dallas, Texas. And um, we're going to be talking about brokerage and logistics. And we're going to try to get, you know, a broker's point of view on the trucking industry and, um, you know, just get a broker's point of view on the trucking industry and not just say for a, a trucker's point of view. So. We're going to get Jerry on the line, and we're going to let him explain it more. Let's go. We got Jerry on the line, man. Um, he want to give insight on what you say, Jerry, on brokerage and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, just more so like the transparency of like what's going on with the brokerage side. Um, I kind of see and I understand um, that it's a perception within the industry that we feel as if that oh, we're typically brokers are taking all the money and you know, brokers really don't know what they're talking about on, like, the logistics aspect and things of that nature. So, you know, I just really wanted to hop on a platform to somewhat speak on it. Uh, my own 6620 Logistics, uh, we're currently out of Dallas, Texas. Um, we opened up uh, last year, um, and my company served as a freight broker agency, uh, meaning that it was me and my previous three agents that we were um, – brokering out freight under a bigger brokerage, um, somewhat of like the same model that Landstar uses. So uh, we basically took that, kind of got our feet wet as far as the experience goes. Um, fast forward a year, um, I finally made that decision to go after it, jump out and get my own authority, basically. Um, and I ended up bringing those freight agents along with me, uh, just based off of the fact that, you know, like these are guys that going directly into the industry they didn't have any experience and whatnot um so to speak on right and just being able to kind of teach them the actual correct ways of uh broken um and that's something that i also kind of see that's really not being done correctly out here too um so just to bring them over to my platform as well um see those guys just basically grow up from nothing or something, you know, it's actually been somewhat of like actual brokers. Well, uh, not brokers, but a true success story. Right, okay. So when you um, first started doing this, um, well, let's go to the point to what made you start to get into this brokerage and all that stuff like that? Um, I want to say for about the past six to eight years, um, I've been in logistics. Um, You know, I've worked for, for... a 3PL, uh, which is mainly where I got the majority of my experience from. Um, and that 3PL, as you guys know, that's a three-part logistics company, meaning that we kind of got our feet wet with multiple things. Uh, with that being said, you know, we mainly did, like, a lot of the last mile stuff. We did some middle mile stuff. Uh, we did things as far as, like, the freight forwarding aspect. Um, I even helped and assisted them as far as starting up their brokers, too. Uh, I've been in the driver's seat as well. Um, I've been a small parcel driver too. I've been a nice CDL driver. Um, I've been a dispatcher. Um, so throughout my career, just really being surrounded with the logistics aspect, you know, um, I kind of looked at it, you know, I think I'll give brokering a, a shot. Um, and back when I first had started my company, uh, we was actually just somewhat of like a dispatch firm. It was just me and another guy, basically. And we dispatched for some box trucks out there in Mississippi. Um, so we was doing about $250 per week 
um, on those box trucks as far as what he was charging. You know, mind you, you know, we're just kind of fresh and just jumping straight into it. Um, and I basically linked up with this broker. And, you know, mind you, this is not during the time where I actually knew what a broker was. But when I linked up with that broker, um, she would always throw me um, loads that was particularly coming out of Woodstock, Georgia. Um, so from Woodstock, uh, well, not Georgia, but Alabama. I'm sorry. Um, and she would throw me these loads. And she would always pay me 500 for them just to run them about like 180 miles, I say. Okay. And I would always ask her, you know, where exactly are you making all this money from? And, you know, it was one day when she picked up the phone and she had called me and was like, I, well, I have these customers that I moved to freight for. So, you know, at, at the time, like not kind of realizing what it actually was, you know, I was thinking that she was somewhat of like the warehouse manager because she said that she had customers. But having those sort of the conversations with her, you know, she called herself an actual broker. So I asked her, well, you know, like this whole thing is bro- like broken. Can you kind of go into detail with it? Um, and she, she did, and basically, as you said, that that broker is the middleman or the middle woman, um, in her case, that arranges the freight transportation between two parties. So basically, that customer aspect and the aspect of being a carrier. Um, so that kind of really caught my eye. And I asked her, well, you know, as far as this brokering thing, how much do you make? And she was telling me that, you know, she was making about like $100 per load. But at the same time, um, me not knowing anything still, you know, I was like, man, like $100 per load, like that's not nothing. Well, she went on to further explain that, you know, she's moving about like eight to 10 of these loads per week. And it's only going like 180 miles. So, you know, these are loads that she's getting like $100 on back to back to back. So, you know, I'm just sitting back and like, I'm kind of doing the math up in my head. And I'm like, man, that's that's kind of adding up to really like a full-time salary. And she explained to me that she was really doing it. It's kind of like a side job. It's somewhat like a side hustle. And, you know, she wasn't touching the freight or none of that. And, you know, she went more into detail about that. Oh, well, you know, I have this and I have that. And I do work here and I do work there and all this other stuff. So, you know, I'm kind of writing down upon the pen and the paper was like, damn, if you make $100 here in a... Up for that guy, you make a hundred dollars for up for that guy. You doing, you know, total about ten to fifteen loads a week. You know that that add up to some pretty damn good money. Right, and, um, then, and then it's like so it's, you know, not mm-hmm. to cut you off, but it's like you know, you never know how many drivers that she had too. You know? So she can have a, at least a hundred drivers that's doing you know them loads a week. So that that turned out to be a pretty good penny. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it did. Um, and she told me that, you know, she was making all of this money just sitting up on a computer, basically. And up on the dispatch side, I was typically doing the same thing, but, you know, I'm just finding actual loads. She actually had them. So from that point on, um, you know, I went down the, the road of, you know, I was looking on YouTube and was looking for classes and all of this stuff, uh, trying to find more information on, like, this actual broker piece. But that's when I started to realize that a lot of these things that people were advertising, it typically wasn't true. Right. Um, you know how they were saying that, oh, you can make $100,000 being a broker and, you know, um, you don't need a broker's authority to be a broker, that you can broker out freight under your carrier's authority. And, you know, mind you, and now on that side of the aspect, I was already skilled as far as the knowledge goes. 
So that kind of led me to the point where I was like, you you know what? I'm not going to take any classes. Um, I'm not going to pay for no type of training just based off of the fact that I don't really trust a lot of the information that's out here. So I set into account, and um, I want to say right before the pandemic really turned into the actual pandemic, you know, the shutdowns and all of this stuff, uh, that's when I actually jumped out there and I had told myself that I really want to go out there and be an actual broker agent. So um, I basically got on with this company that was up there in Washington State. Um, and with that, um, I want to say within with the first three weeks, I landed my first shipper and my shipper was... Um, moving those containers that we see on the hot shots with the tilt beds. Yeah. Um, and that was the 20 foot containers and those the 40 foot containers. Uh, mind you that I'm only making about like $150 per load. But at the same time, it was kind of like the same broker that I had bumped into. Initially, you know, yeah. I was moving what I want to say per city about like six loads per week. And we was moving them out of Memphis. We was moving them out of Nashville, Savannah, Georgia, New Orleans, um, Houston, um, Jacksonville, Miami, Tampa. I mean, like, we moving them all over the place. And the good thing about that customer, too, is that we didn't have to factor that customer. That customer paid us ahead of time. So, essentially, when the load touched down from point A to point B, um, I, my my broker basically paid me so and I want to say at the tip of the pandemic like during that whole period where everybody got laid off from their job and you know by the grace of God I was still blessed to have mine as far as like my career but at the same time you know I'm making so much money up on the broker side you know I'm kind of sitting up there like damn man you know at this point I might as well just jump out here and just somewhere be like a full time broker so we kind of took that into the account and, you know, I got into like a lot of the open deck transport, you know, transporting like a lot of the solar panels. Um, we got to doing like um, cross country stone moves uh, for the real estate market is just blowing up right now. Um, we really got our hands in, in a whole lot of stuff. Um, so that was a good thing to see happen. So basically y'all do a lot of, um, you do a lot of um, flatbed freight too, huh? Sounds like. Initially, when I started off, yeah, I did. Um, but currently, um, what I do now um, is particularly a lot of the LTL moves, um, and I got some dedicated drive-in stuff that's actually out there in Mississippi. Um, that dedicated stuff uh, runs about two to three loads per week, and that will not stop until the de- until the end of December of 2022. So that's consecutive loads that we have weekly day in and day out, paying at minimum $3 per mile. Okay. So, um, like, what if the lows out of Mississippi, I'm from Mississippi, but I live up in East St. Louis. Um, the lows out of Mississippi, what where do they normally go? You say they're dedicated. They come down to Texas or somewhere? No, so they're actually going out there to Jacksonville, um, Florida, actually. Um, it's for a customer, and what he does is that he, um, and it sounds funny, but he grows his own soil. Well, those um, products are bagged up, and they're either put on a drive van or a flatbed. Uh, 
if they're put on a flatbed within their tarp, then they go down there to Jacksonville, and from Jacksonville, um, it's reprocessed, um, it's added with like different nutrients, um, and all type of essential stuff for the uh, soil to kind of make this high quality soil. Um, and then it goes down there to Miami, and then it's exported. Um, it's exported to um, a lot of the foreign countries. Um, it goes out there to uh, Cuba. Um, it goes over there to Turkey. Uh, all across Europe, um, in Asia. I mean, it goes all over the place, but it's manufactured right there out of Sardis. Sardis. Um, okay, that out of Sardis. It goes down there to Jacksonville, and from Jacksonville to Miami. Then after that, it just basically goes across the whole world. Okay, well. Shucks, man, I might have to link you up with my stepdad. He got his own truck and um, own authority and all that stuff, too. So I might I might have to link you up with him. He live in um, a little town called Hollandale, Mississippi. And um, mm-hmm. he's not too far from Sardis. So, I mean, after this, you know, I probably, you know, if it's okay with you, I know it's okay with you because you're a broker. So, <laughs> I mean, that'll be good on, on both hands, you know. So I'll give him your number and y'all can chop it up and um, talk about, talk about what y'all need to talk about too but um how did you feel when you um first when you first got into brokerage and um got your first load going man I, it felt good um and i'm pretty sure that like a lot of your listeners that they can relate to but as far as acquiring a customer um particularly your first customer it's not an easy job based off of the fact that on the broker side that we have like a lot of competition too, meaning that you may have an uneducated broker that will come in and, and tell your customer, oh, well, you know, well, I'll move your freight at this price um, and then I'll do it at this many times. Now, knowing that he just somewhat underbidded you like $1,000 on that load in the eyes of the actual shipper, of course that they're going to go with the cheaper price because a lot of your shippers, especially nowadays, they're not um, logistically educated, so right. they somewhat just kind of look at it as a means of saving money. But as you know, as far as like being a carrier and being within this business, you get exactly what you pay for. So if you kind of paying like low numbers and low cost, well, you go get some low quality. Um, so we deal with like a lot of that. So just to jump out there and really within two to three weeks um, acquire your first customer. And this customer that you have is giving you multiple loads out of multiple cities across the whole country. I mean, I made some pretty damn good money off of that. And the only reason why we stopped is because that container market, especially as of right now, it slowed down. And mind you, you know, this is like a year and a year and a half back. I want to say for about like a good six to ten months maybe. Uh, Yeah, I think that it was about exactly about eight and a half, I think. Um, we went strong to, to the point where we was profiting. Well, our profit percentage on those lows had averaged about like 18% maybe. But at the same time, we did so much in revenue. So you kind of add that math up in your head, you know, when everybody's kind of losing their jobs during this pandemic, you know. I really wasn't worried, so I just really thank God for being able to put me within that position. Right, right, right. Yeah, I understand it. And um, like I say, elaborate on like I heard you say something about the uh, pay. Elaborate on that. You know, when you first when you first made your first monthly salary, was you excited? Like, 
you know, was it enough? Was it enough for you to continue doing it, or did you think like this ain't something I want to do? No, it, it was excellent. Um, and I'll say this too: I want to say within my first two weeks of doing it, it was amazing to see that uh, I made what I did on my uh, actual job. I made my check. Well, I, my first settlement that I got from that brokerage was both of my checks combined from my actual job, and I did that within two weeks of really just sitting at the house on the laptop, basically. Oh, shit. Um, that was a blessing. Yes, sir. But at the same time, you, you know, that just really goes with what the actual customer that you get. Um, I, I was just blessed to come across like an extra opportunity Yes, at the time when that whole container market was really out of control and, you know, people was buying up these containers left and right. Uh, you, see, you, you started to see, like, a lot of the container houses built. You started to see, like, a lot of these doomsday preppers, people used them for storage. Um, a, a lot of government places had used them. So it, it was good, you know. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I remember, you know, when all that stuff was going on, especially like the doom days, folks, you know, because I was starting to haul a lot of containers. You know, I pull a flatbed, so it was like, you know, container after container, you know, two or three at a time, you know, the 20-footers, you know, you put two 20-footers on a 48-foot trailer, and, you know, we was hauling two at a time, you know. It had got to a point at one time, it was like that's all we was doing, especially out of Houston back up north and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, okay, um, let's get into the LTL. Um, what kind of LTL freight you running? For the most part, um, as far as, like, the LTL goes, um, I won't necessarily say their uh, name, but they supply and distribute a lot of office equipment. Um, and they actually go through a distributor and my customer is the distributor, so we do a lot of um, asset work um, as far as um, doing physical pickups, basically. A lot between Dallas and, and Houston, and I, uh, we've also touched out there in Atlanta, but I can honestly say that Dallas has kind of been somewhat like the main market, so we got that side of the LTL work. And then also, too, um, I have a few of my three PLs that I previously had previous connections with um, that they utilize me as their broker um, to somewhat help out their LTL capacity, too. And then on the LTL side, uh, which is a very interesting thing, and I'm pretty sure that not a lot of brokers know this, um, is the fact that when we see the bigger carriers, um, like the RNL carriers, the Old Dominions, um, T Force, which is formerly known as UPS, yes, right. um, ESDs, all of those people, um, they're still classified as carriers, so you can actually still use those. And you may say, Oh, well, Jerry, um, necessarily, how do you use those? Well, it's not, I mean, of course, you can't shoot these folks with like a carrier packet, but I use a different platform, and on that platform, actually, I'm able to get cheaper prices. Um, compared to if I was to go to those individual companies directly, if that makes sense. Um, and just a little bit of insight on how that works is in the LTL world, 
on the side of being the carrier and working for, for those guys, um, they really pushed their sales de- department somewhat of like what we do on the broker side. Well, they also understand that there's a um, um, there's a vast part that they necessarily don't go out and get those clients, but the clients come to them. So they placed um, a platform actually that Global Trans um, at, was actually sold to, to where you have all of these LTL carriers. Um, and at the click of a button, you typically get an instant quote of without the insurance, with the insurance, uh, what type of class do you want to ship the freight as, um, all the way down to the estimated transit time, things of that nature. And I can get all of that at the click of a button. So when I'm doing work with these LTL customers, you know, we go back and explain to them, of course, you know, the LTL world, um, it's a lot different than the truckload world. So on the LTL side, I'm not just covering for, for that whole load. Well, I'm actually purchasing insurance um, on a per pound basis to um, actually insure my customer's product. And on top of that, too, um, the LTL, you may take like a 48 or 53 foot trailer that it may have about like 15 other customers there. So unfortunately, um, it's not necessarily like a guarantee, but. You sacrifice that transit time. You sacrifice that opportunity to uh, have some type of dedicated lane um, on the customer side to basically get your freight from point A to point B for as cheap as possible. And that's typically what those customers aim for. Um, and that's typically what they expect, too. So on the LTL side, just going back and educating with customers and having that tough conversation with them then it normally works out pretty good. Right, right. So so basically customers basically really prefer to use LTL than a full truckload, huh? Yeah, um, they do because, and, and, and it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, um, shippers typically just want their stuff from point A to point B as cheap as possible. If you explain to them ahead of time that there's some type of challenge that maybe like um, we're discussing that your product may arrive on the Tuesday, but please understand that there's a possibility that it could possibly arrive at maybe like Wednesday. And also too, like a lot of these customers, um, they may not have like some type of big warehouse. So some customers store their product within like a storage facility and utilizing those LTL carriers. Um, there's something that is somewhat of a, Plus, for the customer to have access to, um, so they typically like that side of like the transportation industry. Okay, I understand that. Well, um, it was something else I wanted to ask. I can't actually remember what it was now. <laughs> so, um, basically, doing it that way, like you say, it's cheaper and it's basically kind of faster too, huh? Yeah. Right, right. And truth be told, not too many customers know about LTL. Um, just based off of the fact that it's something that's it's not spoke on, especially with within the broker side, um, as far as like with the spot 
market goes typically on the spot market um or how like a lot of these new brokers are trained is that they're only trading on like the truckload aspect well and now as i'm pretty sure that like you possibly had some loads to work it necessarily didn't fill up your your whole trailer um nine times out of ten that had it would have met some type of uh, metrics or weight requirements that load possibly could have went tl maybe um so if it fits, um, if it weighs like a certain weight, um, and also too, if the customer is willing to take that risk and you're willing to up the insurance, um, I definitely suggest that you sell it to the uh, customer. Just the same way that, that we do intermodal shipping, we do rail sh- shipping too. Okay. So, like, where do you um, post your loads at? Do you use like DAT or, you know, truck stop or? you know, those brokers boards like that, or do you just, you have your own website for that? Explain that for me. Um, for the most part, if I need to increase capacity, like that, um, account that's out there in Sardis, I actually just got an order for 40 more loads that need to go out, um, over a period of time as soon as possible. Um, so for things like that, I'll post on the load board, but, Compared to a lot of brokers, the way that we work and the way that we operate is that we typically go back um, and we build that relationship with the carrier aspect. Um, I'm very, very, very relationship-weighted, especially within this industry. Um, So I typically don't go out and get my customers as far as, like, me just picking up the phone, I actually link up with my carrier first or, um, like, a lot of my friends within this industry that they are out there being drivers. Um, we link up with them first, and we just kind of see, well, hey, you know, well, what type of lanes are you running? Or, you know, where are you based out of? What's the actual rates that you're looking for? And things of that nature. And then we take what the uh, carrier is saying to, to us since we already had the relationship with them and we go look for the customers that way. So once we had that customer acquired um, and we're now getting somewhere to some type of dedicated freight, well, we actually helped a friend out within the industry because now we have his truck or in some cases his trucks as far as his fleet goes um, running that account and it works out both ways. I'm able to guarantee my customer excellent service and also too um, my friend in the industry now has dedicated freight that's paying good which is some is and which is something that everybody is kind of going after right now. Right, right, right. I understand that. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a winner, man. Um like I say once we get off here I'm gonna link you up with my um with my stepfather out there in Mississippi and um, let y'all chop it up, see what y'all can work out on that situation, you know, because that sounds like, you know, a pretty good run, you know. So basically you leave Mississippi, go to Jacksonville, and come back and do the same thing basically, right? Yeah. Um, and I got two carriers that's on it right now, um, and they're pulling in about, give or take, about um, about 7.2 thousand a week. Yeah, about like 7,200. Um, which that's not bad. And, you know, like a lot of people may look at it like, oh, well, I just grossed $10,000 last week. Well, that $10,000, you're, you're not doing that consecutively week over week over week. Right. You, you know, like as far as like that, well, you got to look at it whenever that the rates fall down. I'm still paying those guys like that, like those same lows. And it's literally 
however many that they can grab on a per week basis, you know. Yep, yep. I understand. So, uh, man, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping this thing up. Man, you want to shout out your social media and um, let everybody know where they can find you at when they um looking for loads and stuff like that and they down in the DFW area? Yeah, man. Um, if y'all can follow my company's Instagram at 6620 Logistics, um, that's at the number 66, the word 20 and logistics with the S at the end. Um, if y'all can hit me up on there or if y'all can shoot me an email, jerry at 6620logistics.com. Um, we also do broker training, um, broker consultation, broker startup. Um, I mean, anything that's really dealing with your transportation, man, or, you know, even if you just really want to pick up the phone and you want to shoot me an email just so that we can have that conversation with them, just let me know. Uh, shoot me the email um, in order to get put on like a lot of the load list. We don't move freight unless it's dedicated. Um, so we definitely looking to expand our carrier base. Um, and overall, man, uh, just shout out to everybody that's uh, helped me out throughout this excellent journey. Um, I, I'd be a fool if I was to hop on here and say that I did it myself. Uh, so if you played a part in it, um, whether you was anybody, you know. Um, I, I definitely appreciate the opportunity for it. All right, cool, man. I appreciate you having you on, man. It was a pleasure. And we're going to have to probably do another one because it seems like you got a lot that you want to get off your chest. There's a lot that you want to talk about. Oh, yeah, man. This is definitely just an intro to who, who I am um, and whatnot. But I do kind of feel like that um, if we go into part two, then, you know, we can kind of hit on like a lot of the issues. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll most definitely be doing a part two, man. Um, like I said, I got your number. I got your Facebook and all that stuff. So we'll most definitely be in touch for part two. Oh, yeah, man. Most definitely. We're definitely looking forward to it. And you stay safe out there up on the road, man. Uh, watch out for those four-wheel drivers and uh, make sure that you do your pre-trip. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, man. I always got to stay safe, man. Yeah, man, that was a wonderful episode, man. I want to thank Jerry for coming on, man. It was a pleasure, my brother, and I learned a lot from you. And I thank you once again for coming in. So with that being said, man, that concludes the episode. It's your host, Mr. 625, and this has been the 30-minute break, and I'll see y'all later on down the road.